message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, May 2nd, 2010. Homes of Honor, Honor Your Spouse. I guess, I guess you could, it's the don't song, but I guess you could call it the don't dishonor song. Uh, you know, what we should do not to dishonor people or what we should do to be more honoring of those around us. Yeah. <laughs> So tomorrow is the beginning of something that the church world calls the, and I have to look at what it is since we're kind of out of sync sometimes, Christian Family Week. Christian Family Week. And what that means for us is that beginning today and next week, which is Mother's Day, by the way, we're going to be looking at how we can honor, how we honor in our homes how we establish homes of honor. Now, a home just isn't a place to live, but it's a, it involves the quality of living that takes place in the home. If you have a home for one or a home for 21, we hope that your home is a home of honor. Yeah, and sanity with that 21. Anyway... Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. Yeah, I'm Alan Jones. And I'm Carrie Jones. And we're two sinners who've been saved by grace of God and Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Gracious God, <clears throat> thanks for the glorious day you've given us. Thank you for calling us here together to worship and to praise you. And please open our hearts to your spirit as we share in your word. I pray that we'll find transformation in you. It's in Christ and in your Holy Spirit we pray. All Connection Church said, Amen. 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 And so for the last three weeks, we've been looking at the third chapter of Paul's letter in the book of, um, at the church at Colossae. And we talked about how Jesus is alive in us. Jesus is alive in you. Jesus is alive in me. And we looked at Jesus's aliveness in our connectedness, in our choices, and in our community. Well, if we look a little further in chapter 3, Paul kind of shifts gears and he focuses on the home. The subtitle, in fact, for this section, if you look at the New International Version of the Scripture, the subtitle says, Rules for Christian Households. So today we'll look at verses 18 and 19 in chapter 3 of Colossians from Eugene Peterson's The Message. And here's what he says. It says, wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the master, that's capital M, master, that husbands. Jesus. Amen. Uh, husbands, go on, amen, Jesus, not, not the whoever else might pretend to be, but Jesus. Uh, husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. Okay, so we want to say right off the bat that homes. When we talk about home, we're not talking about a home that always has a husband and a wife in the home. We know that homes have many, many different makeups, and um, so we want to honor all homes, whether they're homes of, you know, single, you're, you're living alone in your home, or whether you're a single parent in a home, or whether, you know, whatever the home looks like. Our purpose today is to not limit homes that just involve husband and wife, but we can use this scripture as an example of what godly homes should look like, what homes of honor could look like. Okay, so when we go back to the scripture, 
Um, what it does do is say, wives, submit to your husbands. Well, this isn't a new message uh, uh, for Paul. If you read Paul at all, you see in his letter to the Ephesians, I think in his letter to the Galatians, he brings up this, basically this same point. You know, in our culture, this is a little challenging, this whole submission idea. That can be a little challenging, I know. But in the culture Paul's writing out of, this wasn't even a blip on the radar. I mean, according to Bible scholar William Barclay, in that culture, in the Jewish culture, under Jewish law, now this is an Alan talking, so don't throw any knives. <clears throat> this is the way it or, was. Or I could, like, push you right off Yeah, there. but this isn't me. This is, this is just historical uh, truth. A woman was basically considered a possession, uh, much like the house or the, um, the, the livestock. <laughs> mm. oh, that's that's really rough, I mean, isn't it? Livestock. I mean, I was going to say flocks, but, you know, the livestock lets you really I mean, and that's very harsh, isn't it? We don't like the sound of that, but that's what the reality of it is. The, the woman in that day, in that culture, in that time, had no legal rights. You know, that's why when you read like about like Ruth and Naomi in Scripture, Naomi, after losing her husband and her two sons, she's like out in the cold. That's why she was in such a challenging situation. I guess God knew that I couldn't live back then. Yeah. Okay, so in the culture that we're talking about in this Scripture, we're talking about the area called Colossae. It was Greek culture, and respectable women lived a life of seclusion, you know, complete servitude and chastity. They were demanded, demanded. And the husband actually was set free to do whatever, whatever the husband wanted to do. Wow. I mean, that, anyway. So the husband was free to enter into any relationship that he wanted without incurring social criticism. Now, under both Greek and Hebrew culture, all of the privileges belonged to the husband, and the wife was to be very dutiful to her husband. And so for wives to, uh, to be told in this scripture to understand, to support, and submit to their husbands, well, that wasn't anything new. That wouldn't even have turned their heads. That was not unusual. Not out of the ordinary. Now, on the other hand, for husbands to be told to go all out in their love for their wives, well, that's revolutionary, okay? To be told not to take advantage of them, not in the words of the New International Version, to be harsh with them, was very, very novel to the people who would be listening to or reading this letter from Paul. And so William Barclay, a Bible scholar that, that we uh, tend to read, he, he talks about this and he says, actually what we have here in Scripture is the Christian ethic of mutual obligation. The Christian ethic of mutual obligation. No longer is this relationship a one-sided relationship as it had been in the past. But the husband now has a great, if not greater, obligation or opportunity than his wife has. And this would make all the sense in the world. Because from a Christian perspective, 
perspective. It was Jesus Christ who overcame these barriers. It was Jesus Christ who stepped out and honored women and protected women and showed compassion to women and spoke to women and ate with women when women were just pieces of property and possessions. And so it's Jesus is our model, and it's Jesus who actually gave women uh, this life now that we are able to live, to be fully, um, to be able to use our gifts and to be able to share in relationships of mutual obligation. And so, so we can um, boil these down uh, basically to a single word. And, and that single word is honor, H-O-N-O-R. Wives, honor your husbands. Husbands, honor your wives. That sounds good, right? It's what we're supposed to do. Now the challenge is to get it off the paper. You know, it worked on paper. <laughs> How do we bring it into real life and into our homes and make it actually work, <clears throat> excuse me, on our, in our day-to-day experience? So let's take a look at what honor means. Kind of a dictionary definition might be to regard with great respect. To regard with great respect. That sounds a little bit um, cold in a way, so let's put it in Christian terms. It means to show grace to the other person, to have unconditional love, unconditional regard for another. It means to have a great sense of awe. A-W-E, like, wow, you know, this person that God has put in my presence has worth and value. It means to not take for granted the other person or whatever it is that, that we honor. Mm. I want to give you an example using something we've got up here, and I I meant to ask somebody ahead of time, so I didn't put them on the spot, but I didn't do that. So actually, you'll know that this uh, volunteer <laughs> is actually not, you know, doesn't know anything about it. Lisa, would you help me out for a minute? Would you mind? You don't have to say anything. She's really... Ex- Let's give her a hand up. I apologize. I meant to talk to you ahead of time. But your look let me know that you're definitely going to not know at all what's coming on. <laughs> I just wanted to share with you a couple of guitars. This is a nice little number, isn't it? This is one that my son Turner, somebody gave him this a few years ago. By the way, both of these guitars are one of a kind. This is, don't you think? <laughs> Turner made it his by painting some on it, and it's not got a bad sound. Not a bad sound, does it? Um, I hear him playing it in his room. He sings songs, writes some songs to it, and um, I think, um, I don't know, Earl told me that the value of this might be 30 bucks. <laughs> you want to hold that? Yeah. Do you play guitar? Good. Okay. Good. So holding it's not a normal thing for you, right? Okay. So that's a, maybe a $30 guitar, one of a kind. Kind of nice. Now I want to show you another guitar. Now this one isn't Turner's. This is... Um, Dennis, who plays in the praise team. Unfortunately, he can't play this today because I had to use it. I had to play another one. But this is kind of a special guitar. This, this guitar, you see this wood on the back? This is um, striped uh, Makara ebony from Africa. I'm glad I just remembered that. Um, <laughs> California redwood. 
See that little strip? They call that the, um, the hinge? Do I got that right? Huh? Binding. binding. I'm sorry. Gosh, I had it all right, too. The binding. That little strip of wood there is different than the other two. It's, it's I think, a K-wood or something like that from Hawaii. Ooh. 14-karat gold. Those little knobby things there. This thing has a case that is climate-controlled. Oh, wow. And the serial number on this is one... You ever seen a painting like number 150 out of three? This is number one out of one. You see, all these different woods isn't just to make it look cool, although it does, but they called, or Dennis called them, and they (coughs) interviewed him for a couple of hours to know just what his use of this guitar was, how he's going to use it, what sound, so that they could pick the exact right wood for this guitar. Um, Lisa, this guitar is uh, insured for $6,800. Did you notice how she (laughs) handled that guitar just a little differently than just a little bit? I mean, the stand for that guitar costs three times the the price of of the other guitar. It's an $85 stand with a little locking mechanism so the guitar won't fall out. Are you uncomfortable holding that? (laughs) Were, Were you uncomfortable holding the other? No. You want me to take it back? Thank you. Thank you very much. And and you see my point. Did you notice a real difference in the way she handled the two instruments? There's a reason. You see, there was kind of a sense of awe because of the value of this instrument. You know, like $6,800 for us, for regular people, it's a lot of money for a guitar, isn't it? I'm not saying it's not worth that, but it's certainly a far cry from this. We handle it. But, you know, in our relationships, especially in our homes, all too often we handle them like they're this instead of handling like they're this. And the truth is, our relationships, we should even handle better than this because the truth is, this is just a guitar, isn't it? And our relationships are worth much, much more than a $6,800 guitar. We have the privilege of officiating at weddings. And um, my favorite part actually of the wedding is when it's the exchange of rings because I think that what people say it's just it just hits me right here when when the people exchange rings they say I give you this ring as a sign of my vow and with all that I am and all that I have I honor you in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, I can hardly get through that, and I'm not even the one getting married, but I'm just feeding the lines to the couple. But, I mean, the words are are so really, really intense. I mean, with all that I am, and with all that I have, I honor you. They're not throwaway words. That's some really, really big, important words to say. But here's the thing. We, we say them, but do we live them? Do we live that out? 
not just in our marital, marital relationships, but in all relationships. I give you all that I am and all that I have. Now, what would happen if, if every day we, like, dedicated ourselves or rededicated ourselves to this whole concept of honor? Think about how the people would feel around you if you treated them with a sense of awe, oh, preciousness, how valuable they, they are. Just think about the difference that it could make in your world and in their world. And up to this point, we've been talking husbands and wives, because that's what the Scripture says, but in the marital relationship. But you know, we don't have to put that limitation on it, even though we, we might not exchange rings to other people or even pledge that honor pledge that we do, you know, when we get married. Um, uh, that doesn't mean that we don't, aren't called to honor all of the people around us. You know, in his letter to the Romans, Paul shared this. He said, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. In other words, set that other person kind of up in a sense, have a sense of awe for that other. I mean, they're a child of God. Have a sense of awe for that person and value them even higher than you value this person here. And that doesn't mean worship that person because we only worship God, but to treat them with honor and respect. You know, isn't it interesting that we honor things so much more than we often honor people? There's this, you know, I heard about this guy who had an office and on the wall he had this like big mega stuffed fish hanging on the wall and the wife came in to say see him and you know she sees a fish but she doesn't see a picture of herself and that's that's kind of hurtful or you say wow what are your your priorities here (laughs) what would you have like the fillies no I'd have you with a fillies cap on Best of both worlds. There you go. I think it's your turn. I can't think anymore. Okay. I'll get that picture today. Here's our challenge, though. As we're sinners who have been saved by God's grace. But we, we are a fallen creature. We mess up time and time again. We talked some months ago that we are east of Eden, that we find ourselves in a far place and far from God. And one of the ways that we do that in a best, and I'm not, I don't really mean best, but is the way that we dishonor and disregard the people who we are traveling through life with, and the people around us. You know, over the years, Carrie and I found some very um, useful, simple, helpful language when, when this happens. Um, thank goodness it doesn't happen often, or the language would lose meaning. But if, if I'll give you an example. Let's say we're someplace with friends, and I tell a joke, and, and not realizing it, that joke... Uh, puts Carrie in a bad position. Maybe there's some laughter and she feels like she's being laughed at is the, is the butt of the joke, so to speak. 
What she might tell me then or later on, she might say, you know, Al, when, when that joke was shared, uh, it didn't feel very good. Actually, I felt kind of dishonored by what you said in front of our friends. Well, you know, the last thing in the world I would want to do would be dishonor my wife. Um, and so when she says that, she definitely gets my attention because that's, that's, that's language that really, you know, my antenna are up, I'm listening, I, I got you. And, 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 you know, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, Carrie, I'll never do it again because chances are good. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it again. But I'd probably say something, you know, I, I'm really sorry. The last thing I want to do is dishonor you. I've worked very hard not to do that again. I hope it doesn't happen again. But the other thing I would do is apologize to her. But you know what's interesting, isn't it, that we humiliate somebody in public, but we most often apologize privately. And so if, if, the, if it's after the fact and the crowd's not there, I might say, Carrie, do I need to apologize in front of those people? And usually she'll say, no, this is, you know, I, I see you get it. But if she tells me in time when the people are still there, I might in front of them purposely say, Carrie, I'm really sorry. I want you all to hear this. I, I, last thing I meant to do was dishonor Carrie in front of you. Because that's not the one thing I want to do with the person I'm traveling through life with. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, Alan's kind of taking the rap here. It <coughs> certainly is a two-way street. When I um, dishonor him uh, unintentionally, I try, to do, I try to never do it on purpose. Um, but when, when he tells me that I've, I've dishonored him, <coughs> I try real hard to not get defensive about it, but I just, like, take it and listen and um, well, try me, to make it right. Let me interrupt a second, because the reason we say that isn't to say, look at what we do, that's not our purpose here, but to say maybe this will be helpful in your home if it's not something that you're doing, because just using that language helps us know how serious the matter is and that uh, we, we need to do something about it. You with me? And so maybe we share that today just so if it's of help to you, maybe, maybe it would be helpful for more honoring in your homes. I'm looking around at all the people that we've done marriages for, and you've all heard this before, haven't you? You could be preaching it, actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Christ honored those around him. There were, Christ honored everyone, and he calls us to honor those around us, not just family and friends, but even people that we don't even know, even, even our enemies. You know, can you imagine what your marriage, what your other relationships, what your life, what your home would look like, what it would be like if, if, if you just took a little time, if we, I'll put me in here, a little time at the beginning of every day and remembered that vow that we took <laughs> when we exchange those rings with all that I am and all that I have. That's pretty intense, especially in light of who, who we're doing it in, in, in the name of, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, we start doing that in our homes, we'll have some slamming marriages, won't we? Amen? Yeah. And by the same token, if you can imagine, just imagine if each one of us started the day Uh, with a decision to honor all of those who we come in contact with um, in all of our relationships. If we started the day by taking a moment to pray and ask God for the strength to 
maybe not say what we want to say or to not act out what we want to act out, but instead put on Christ because Christ lives in you. Christ lives in me if we claim Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And so we're not stranded. We can, in fact, do this because we just need to stop and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us so that we can be honorable to those around us so that even our homes could be homes of honor. And so we're going to encourage you, maybe take a little time today and this week, and um, take a little prayer time, ask for a little help, and maybe uh, how you can be more honoring, maybe make your relation, you deal with people more along the lines of how we deal with this rather than our typical way of how we hold things like this, if that makes sense. How we can be more honoring, how, how we can let those people around us know how awesome they are and how awestruck we are when we're in their presence, how blessed we are that God has allowed us uh, to have those other people in, in relationship with us, how absolutely valuable they are in our lives. Give some thoughts and prayer to what it's going to take to make your home a home of honor. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, um, you know, sometimes it really is hard to... Um, to not say things that are on the tip of our tongue or to not, to not lash out, to not let our anger get the best of us, to not have our actions uh, be something that isn't what you would want. Lord, we ask for your help, your strength in and through us to reflect you in all of our relationships. Lord, you are our, our example of the way that you honored everyone, children, women, men, people of all ages, people of all stages in life, people of all colors, people of all socioeconomic uh, statuses, Lord. You didn't see any of that. You just saw the precious beings that you created. Help us put your eyes on so that we can show honor to those who we meet and have our homes be homes of honor. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.